Well, good morning, everyone. This is Rachel Larson coming from Studio 1A here at Hope Covenant Church. And I have the privilege of having my dad, um, Pastor John Larson, here in the house with me. Hey, Dad. Hey, Rach. <laughs> so, Good to be here with you. Yeah, it's kind of fun to be on a podcast together. Yes, first time for me. Yeah, well, welcome. Um, Dad, you have been your, well, Maywood Covenant Church, the church that you are the pastor at. Mm -hmm. You guys have partnered with us twice now for Hope Live. And so a lot of people from Hope are going to recognize you from that. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's been a great adventure. Yeah, it has. So hopefully we kind of have talked about being able to partner together in the future and just continue on because it's it's super fun to do that. Um, but you are on Stories of Hope this morning. Okay. Because you've joined us. So we want people to know who you are in right. greater depth. Okay. Um, and so, and I'm excited to learn this kind of stuff too. So um, basically... Let's just start at the very beginning. <laughs> so can you give us some basic, you know, information? Where did you grow up? Um, and then I kind of spoiled this one. But what is or was your job? And then tell us about your family, specifically your favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> well, I grew up in Florida. Yeah. Our family moved there when I was, I think, in kindergarten. And I stayed in Florida through high school. So all my growing up years were there. We lived in Orlando, about a half hour from Disney World. We were about 45 minutes from the Atlantic Ocean. So it was a wonderful place to grow up. A lot of fun things to do, terrific weather. When I lived there, the Orlando area was, was still undeveloped for the most part so mm. there was a lot of wide open spaces and the neighborhood that we lived in was um, out in the far suburbs kind of the outer ring and so there were a lot of woods and places for a kid to hang out and yeah get into trouble <laughs> and your dad was church planting there? Yes, my, my dad was a pastor, mm -hmm. and his role in Florida, he was actually an executive minister for the Florida district in the denomination we were in, and one of his main tasks in that job was to start churches. Mm. So growing up, I was a part of church plants, Yeah, actually several. Yeah. So my family now, I married Linda. Yeah. She's been my best friend for 32 years. <laughs> Cute. Where did you meet her? I met her at Bethel yes. College, now university. Right. And so we got married in 1988. And shortly after that, kids started to come. Mm -hmm. So we have Justin, who is now married to Alexa. Mm -hmm. And then... We have Ashley. <laughs> Saving the best for last, I see. <laughs> <laughs> Who is our youngest. She's mm -hmm. a senior at Bethel. And then you're right in the middle, Rach. Yep. Left behind but not forgotten. Oh, not forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. And 
Where did we spend most of our growing up time? Where did we live? You're, you as kids? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We lived in southwest Minnesota, in Slayton. Yeah. We actually were out in the country, about 10 miles from town. Mm-hmm. The church where I was serving as a pastor had a parsonage. And so we lived right <laughs> next door, about 60 feet away from the church. Yeah. That's where we grew up. That's where you grew up. Yeah. yeah. So, but before, so you went to seminary when you were 30-ish, right? Yes. So I was working at Bethel in the admissions office. Yeah, there's a lot of connections to Bethel in there our is. family. There yeah. is. So I was working at Bethel in the admissions office as director of admissions. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like God was calling me in a new direction. And so I wasn't sure exactly where that was going to lead, but I knew that I loved the Bible, God's Word, and I loved ministry. So I enrolled at Bethel Seminary (laughs) and was going part-time while I was working full-time. And I worked through and got my MDiv degree. And had three kids at the same time. Yeah, Yeah, so it was was wild. Yeah, I can't Wouldn't recommend that. But you made it through. Made it through, yeah, and graduated in 2000. And then all five of us headed to the prairie. Yeah, we had no idea what to expect. No. (laughs) Yeah. That's sweet. So this might be what you're about to answer, but what was a defining moment for your life? I'm sure there was many. Yes, there have been many defining moments. I think one that really changed things very dramatically was discovering I was born with spina bifida. Yeah. And um, when I was born, my spine, my back was closed for for many spina bifida um, patients. They're born with an open spine. Yeah. But mine happened to be closed and I had a tethered spinal cord. There was a tumor Mm. that was wrapped around my spinal cord and it was putting pressure on the nerves. And so as I was growing up in my elementary years, we started to see signs that something wasn't right. And the, the most dramatic thing was my left leg and foot was showing signs of weakness and my foot was actually starting to turn in and become deformed. And so we started the process of, of trying to f- go to a lot of different doctors to find out what was going on. And then there were some other neurological deficiencies that started to um, appear as well. And so um, as this was going on, I was also just a sports fanatic. I really love sports. I poured my heart and soul into sports. And by the time I got to age 12, uh, the doctors realized that there was something wrong with my back. This is where the epicenter was for this whole thing. So I went under uh, uh, the knife and had a six-hour surgery, and they discovered that my spinal cord was tethered. And so they took out as much as, as they could this tumor, but there was permanent nerve damage. And part of the surgery was removing some of the bones that 
protect the spinal cord and they couldn't put those back in. So after I had the surgery, uh, that was it in terms of a playing contact sports. And so that just completely changed the trajectory for me. And I started to think more about, okay, where's God in this? And where's my life headed? And what am I going to do now? Um, because the things I love the most were taken away. So that was a defining moment in the sense that I had to think about how God was going to lead me forward in a new way and on a new path. And so over the years, I've had surgeries on my foot, several, yeah. <laughs> which, which you remember because right. you were a part of one of the surgeries in particular, the recovery, taking me back and forth to the hospital for That's true because when we lived in southwest Minnesota, the hospital that you were having surgeries at was an hour and a half away. Right. And so th I forgot about that. There was yeah. a season because you couldn't drive, right? Yeah, so you were my driver. Right. So yeah. we'd go to the hospital. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> We've got interesting memories from Yes, all and that. interesting places I had to go to, <laughs> yeah, but to be checked on and yeah. get inserts for my shoes and all that. Yeah. So, yeah, that has been, I think, like, some people with spina bifida, like, they can't walk. Right. You know, and have um, just some really... Their disability is much, maybe much more like visual. Right. And I think a lot of people, they don't even know that you have spina bifida until Until I put the shorts on. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> until you put on shorts. Yep. And one leg is remarkably skinnier than the other because right. it doesn't have as much muscle on it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that has been a defining moment in your life and then we've also had like some scary moments for us as a family mm -hmm. just with some flare-ups that have happened that have kind of been defining moments in in my life as well right yeah but we've yet we've seen god's faithfulness absolutely taking care of you and then you kind of got you got plugged in with mayo in rochester right and they've really been helping you out a they've been terrific yeah yeah they they've helped out a lot in fact my most recent surgery just three years ago was at Mayo. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. Yeah. So who is or was, and I'm curious about this one, the most influential person in your life? Well, there's been many. <laughs> yeah, at, I was at like. At different times and at different uh, occasions. I think my dad probably was. That's who I was going to guess. Um, I, I learned from him the importance of living a consistent Christian life because mm -hmm. I saw that in him. Mm -hmm. But I think the other piece was I learned how to be a pastor from him. Mm. So uh, following him as a son, watching him, uh, learning from him, I think that probably shaped me in some significant ways. Um, his pastoring, it was always um, people were more important than programs. And that really stuck with me, you know, as I've become a pastor too. I've had other teachers and mentors, uh, writers, uh, 
Eugene Peterson, Dallas Willard, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. <laughs> All good ones. You kids inspire me. Oh. Linda inspires me. Yeah. So there's been a lot. Yeah, I was going to guess that it was Grandpa. Mm -hmm. But you and Grandpa are a lot alike. So it makes sense that he was influential. Yeah. In just yeah, kind I of think, how you grew up. I think there up. are some similarities there. So if you could go back and tell your younger self a nugget of wisdom that would have been helpful earlier in life, what would it be? The first thing is relax. <laughs> God has a wonderful way of enfolding your whole life into his plan, your successes and your failures. I think I spent too much time in my earlier years trying to succeed. Mm. And at times that came at a cost to relationships, yeah. my own well-being, my ministry. And when I look back, it really didn't matter because, like I said, God has a, uh, a terrific way of working with all of our lives, not just parts of them. And I've seen him do that. So that's the one thing I would tell myself, just relax. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> the other thing is I would say, let God be in charge of your public relations department. Ooh, tell us more. Don't worry so much about making a name for yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think I was kind of caught up in that too. Yeah. But um, I think what I've noticed in my life is if you're generally following Jesus and you're in hot pursuit of him, God's going to take care of the public relations department. And you don't have to put so much effort and energy into making a name for yourself. Yeah. And I think that's a real challenge today. It was even when I was younger, but I think it is even more today with all of the different social media outlets yeah. that can consume you yeah. with that. So that's the other thing I would say to my younger self is let God be in charge of that department. <laughs> He'd probably be the best person you could hire for such a position, huh? Yeah, I think he would uh, uh, do quite well at that. Yeah. <laughs> He'd probably run it differently than... Anybody else would. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think about that a lot, Dad, especially like when we moved to Slayton growing up. I mean, I think a lot of people thought we were crazy going right. to that. We went to a small church, small town, and there was there was kind of nothing in it as far as like it wasn't a good career step. No, it wasn't it wasn't a rung on the ladder. Yeah, you took a pay decrease. About in half. Yeah, which is just, I learned that as an adult, and I was like, I just can't believe it. But what was so cool, you were there for what, 18? 18 years. And something that I just always think about for ministry is how you and God were able to like walk through people's lives with them and just how beautiful that was. And being faithful in something that really wasn't like a step up on the ladder, you know? Right. Yeah, 
in many ways, that move was, in my mind, a grand experiment because I wanted to see what God could do in a context where it appeared on the surface that there really wasn't much there. Whoa, that's cool. And so I went into it really kind of conducting an experiment to say, hey, what can God do with with what's here? And as we know, he did some extraordinary things. Yeah, like the church outgrew the building that we were in. Right. And then what happened? And then we we built a whole new facility and we raised without any kind of a organized, <laughs> <laughs> polished um, fundraising program. We raised over a million dollars in cash. We borrowed about 300000 which we paid off in three years. So it, it, yeah, God just did remarkable things. Right. And so the experiment worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, and us kids in a really unique way that I'm always grateful for is us kids, we didn't even know what was happening, but we got to witness the whole thing. Right. And now I just have such like fond memories of, you know, watching, literally watching a church building being built in our yard. Yeah, it and, was in our yard. Right. I remember <laughs> that I like had a crush on one of the um, the guys that was helping with it because it was like another teenage boy in our youth group or whatever. And hopefully he doesn't listen to this. But um, <laughs> I would always make Ashley, my younger sister, I'd be like, let's eat outside today <laughs> so that we could get his attention or whatever. <laughs> Did it work? No. Huh. But God had better plans per usual. Um, I'm interested about this one. How did you come to know Jesus? Well, when I was young, I was a rebellious knucklehead. Find that hard to believe. Do you? But that's what you tell us. Yeah, I was. Just because you're so even keeled now. Yeah, I had a, a bit of a rebellious streak in me when I was younger. And I went through a season where I was just pushing the envelope and the boundaries and crossing over into places that I shouldn't have been. Mm -hmm. And so I was um, up to mischief at school and some at church and was getting into some trouble. And it was kind of progressively getting a little more severe. <laughs> How old were you? This is this is actually elementary school. Okay. Going up through um, sixth grade. Okay. So at one point in this journey, uh, my mom, so your grandma, sat me down and she said, John, we all know that you're getting into a lot of trouble lately. And if you want to walk on a different path, you're going to need help. And the person that can help you is Jesus. So she shared, you know, Christ with me, and, and that made sense. I thought, you know what, I do need help, and I would like to go in a different direction. So that was the beginning of Aww. following Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was, when, when did we find 
this little journal or the Bible that you got, remember what you wrote in it? Yes. I think it was, was it the one that I got in Sunday school one Probably. time? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. From, from Mr. Wells. <laughs> yeah. And you had written in it. Yeah. And it, do you remember what it said? I don't remember exactly what it you said. You said no. something along the lines of, well, Jesus, I've joined the program. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, that's right. That was just so cute. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. But, that was the and beginning. And that was probably right around the time. Yeah, it was. I've joined the program. <laughs> I wish I could remember what it said because it was yeah. even cuter than that. But um, so that was the beginning. Right. And you've been following Jesus ever since. Right. Yeah. So how, when and where have you encountered the hope of Christ in your life? I think I've encountered hope in Christ the most during trying times. Mm -hmm. uh, because when I feel like I've lost control and when I feel like my plan has been shattered, I find that God is sufficient. Mm -hmm. I love how God surprises me with his love and his goodness. And he does it all the time as just a reminder that he is um, not only faithful, but he's also very capable. Yeah. So I think it's during trying times. Abraham's famous line, God will provide. Yeah. Is I think when I find the most hope is because when I'm at the place of the least amount of hope is often when God appears and provides something that produces hope. Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't know why I'm crying. But now, now you're going to have me crying too. <laughs> I think just like in, in, um, I just think of the time that we felt like we almost lost you. Mm -hmm. There was a night when you weren't doing well and I just remember feeling so, so sad that you of all people had to go through something like that. Mm -hmm. And, but how God did provide in that moment and, and throughout our lives. Right. You know, and, but, and that's where we find hope. Yeah. <laughs> but, but at the same time, like those moments are so scary and they are so. It's just, I think that's been a testament to me, just watching you and mom kind of go through some of those, those really hard things, right. you know, mm -hmm. but, but yeah, Jesus has always been there with us in those kind of moments, mm -hmm. but what kind of it would, if someone is going through like a hard, hard moment and maybe you've already spoken to this, but I mean, I even think about, you know, you've been in the hospital for weeks, it mm -hmm. feels like, um, especially when we lived in southwest Minnesota, you would be an hour and a half away in the hospital, just sitting there alone. Mm -hmm. And just what would you say to someone who is going through a really less than ideal situation like that? I mean, how do you something mom and I and our family, like you really just don't complain about things, which is nice, <laughs> but it's always been like a testament 
I think to who you are, but how, how do you do that? And how, how do you remain to have faith in Jesus when it just feels like super annoying and also (laughs) just super, um, less than ideal? Well, the first thing is, I don't feel that I'm exempt from suffering. Yeah. And that the injustices in this world somehow shouldn't affect me. Mm. I, I believe what Jesus said when he said, in this world, you will have trouble. So uh, I don't live with an illusion that that shouldn't happen to me. Mm. And, and that, I think, part of the whole spina bifida thing early on uh, awakened me to that reality that I'm not exempt. We live in a broken world. But the other thing is the second part of Jesus' statement, uh, I've overcome the world. So there's hope. Mm -hmm. And no matter what we're experiencing, Jesus is a part of it. And he has good intentions for us. And he will take us through and he will reveal his love to us. And I've seen it every time. Yeah. So that's what keeps me going is that Jesus has a really good track record. (laughs) (laughs) True. And the best. And so I always have to keep going back to that to say, all right, Jesus, you've done this in the past. What are you going to do this time? Yeah. And the more you see his track record, the more it becomes a little bit easier to trust him. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say something, but now I forget. Oh, just how, you know, I think some of your, like, your struggles with spina bifida and stuff, I mean, that, would you say, as humbly as you could say, I mean, I think that has made you the pastor and the person that you are. Yes, I think it has shaped me in not only my personal life, my Christian life, but my pastoral life, too. Um. I do think there's something of value to experiencing suffering in some way because it does help you to a certain degree to understand and be able to empathize Mm -hmm. with others. I mean, when I walk into a hospital to pray with someone that's going to have surgery, I know what it's like to be laying in that bed. And so that helps me to connect with them a little bit more than if I never had any health problems. Right. So God uses that too. Yeah. Yeah. So I think with this pandemic that's happening, there's been, there's been suffering that has been happening on many different levels. You know, right. a lot of us, we have um, privilege that, we're maybe not feeling it as much as other people, but how has this pandemic impacted you? Um, and then how has it shaped the hope that you have for the church today? Yeah, I think the pandemic has reminded me how little say I have in things. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, when it comes right down to it, I have virtually no say. I know. And so that's been a good reminder. Um, but I'm also reminded of Jesus' words in Matthew 16, where he says, I will build my church. And he says, I will do it. And that isn't going to be deterred by a pandemic. Jesus has not been hindered one bit by this dramatic shift in how we do ministry. I have, we have, but Jesus hasn't. And so I'm encouraged and I'm hopeful because I know Jesus is going to build his church through all the seasons that we experience as people. And so I've come to the place where I can rest in that. Uh, that gives me hope that, as Jesus said, the gates of Hades will not prevail and <laughs> ne neither will COVID-19. He's going to continue to build his kingdom. And so I've come back to that just in a real basic way because how we have had to perform ministry in the last couple of months has seemed... Uh, not only weird, but weak in some ways. So I'm, I'm encouraged by yeah. the fact that Jesus is the one in charge of it all. Yeah. On a more personal level, I know mom and I don't want you to get COVID because <laughs> you have, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause you have a compromised immune system a little bit. And so for me, it's just been a, I've just had to like give that to the Lord, mm -hmm. you know? Right. But I don't know if that's, it has that affected you and mom or just like you guys personally. Well, I think it's weighed on us to yeah. a certain extent, but we're not allowing it to just consume us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because like you said, that's one more thing we need to yeah put in the father's care yeah that's true. release yeah. to him yeah well thank you dad you're welcome i didn't think great chatting with you <laughs> i knew i wouldn't make it out of here without crying and here we are oh uh, you did great but you did great thanks dad you're welcome well we're excited to partner with you guys more in the future and this is exciting because now i think people from hope and maywood can probably hear a little bit more of your heart and your story um, than they might already know. So this is cool. It is. Sweet. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming, Dad. I don't really know how to wrap this up other than saying, see you later. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.